the Whole30 is a great diet. And I think that it eliminates a lot of uh, potential allergens for people. And you can really get an idea if you react to grains or dairy or sugar or coffee or, you know, you can get an idea of that. But most people are kind of white knuckling it through the 30 days so they can get back to their old habits again. Welcome to The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. I am your host, Cap Times food editor, Lindsay Christians. I love the new year. I have a new calendar, and I have a new planner, and I have lots of new leaves to turn over. And that includes taking better care of myself in 2019. To start the new year right, I invited Sherry Belcher into the studio. Sherry is a nutritionist, a counselor, a teacher, and a cookbook author, and she takes a holistic approach to better health. I wanted to know what she asks people when they come to her looking for a change. And I think I needed to hear again that diets, as tempting as they are, never really work long term. Give a listen to this conversation, and I hope afterwards you feel inspired too. Welcome, Sherry. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) So, Just to start us off, I hope that you can maybe give us a little introduction. Tell us about what you do and how long you've been in Madison. Just a little introduction. Well, I haven't been in Madison for too long, about a year now, but I've been in practice in uh, nutrition for over 25 years. I have a master's in clinical nutrition, and really my goal is to give people a greater awareness and understanding of their bodies. So I try to do it by helping them tune into their bodies more and also by educating them. So I really want people to get educated on themselves and their needs so they can do what they need to do without me. Do you mostly work with people one-on-one? Do I do you work both. In larger um, settings as well? The majority of my practice has been one-on-one, but I also do group lectures, uh, corporate wellness programs, executive wellness programs, and some workshops at various resorts through the U.S. Talk a little bit about how you got started uh, doing this. What attracted you to it? I always had a love for health and nutrition and had an aptitude for science and had a very strong science undergrad background. Then in my um, early to mid-20s, um, I was feeling so tired, and um, I was working out a lot, and I was getting ready to start graduate school, and I didn't know why I could be as tired as I was. I was also chronically dieting. So I went to go see a doctor, and he ran some labs, and he said, well, you know, we don't know what it is exactly, but we think you have chronic fatigue, and it was kind of a a new diagnosis at the time. And so they said, we think that maybe you should start on some Prozac, and that was new at the time as well. And I said, you know, I, I don't think my issue is depression, and I didn't know anything about alternative health at all, but I found a chiropractor who was into nutrition, and that turned my life around, and I said, this is what I want to do. So I found someone to mentor me, and I uh, changed my major and went into clinical nutrition, and there we go. When you went to that chiropractor, did 
is that the person who helped you sort of change your own eating habits then early on? Absolutely. So what I found out is that I was really chronically malnourished. Oh, my gosh. You know, that I was not eating enough of fruits and vegetables. I was eating, you know, low-fat foods and working out too much and trying trying to diet. So I was much more mindful of um, bringing protein into every meal and making sure I had adequate veggies. And I would also, at the time, it was more in vogue to do low-fat. And so I was doing lower fat things. So that's what I think put me in that position. I, I feel like I, I I hear that, okay, that we had the boogeyman that was fat and then we had the boogeyman that was sugar. And it's always sort of something that... There's always a boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder, when you have someone who comes to you and says, I I know that my health habits aren't what they should be. I'm tired or I'm having other issues what what kind of questions do you ask them to kind of get started and where they should well, go? Well, I do a really in-depth history because I feel like everyone's body tells a story and I want the story. So I go from birth to present time. Oh, wow. And things that seem insignificant in their childhood, like they had chronic ear infections. Well, that's pretty significant when you get to be older and you've been on antibiotics a lot, or you had asthma as a child, or um, you were uh, a cross-country runner and lost your period in junior high. You know, all of these things. You had eating disorders. So you set your body up for certain deficiencies and toxicities and organs to not uh, function, function optimally. And so as we age, if these things have not been addressed, then they can catch up with us and manifest as something else. So I really go through the history with people and everything from their stress and stress resilience and do they bruise easy and how do they sleep? Do they get muscle cramps? If so, are they with exertion or with rest? And do they wake up at night? If so, what time? All of these things give me ideas on what's going on with the system because you know, we don't want to just pull out the diet. The diet is so important with what we do. But if someone is not sleeping and their stress levels are high and they're trying to lose weight, their stress hormones are going to be so high that it's going to inhibit any kind of fat burning at all. So sometimes we've got to go back to the basics with people and get them on board with a, a lifestyle habit that supports their goals. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so layered. It is. Yeah. The, the questionnaires I give people, you know, to fill out before they see me initially, they're about 20 to 30 minutes long to do. And our first visit is about an hour and a half. I ask everything from immune health, antibiotic frequency, all of those things. I was recently working on a story about community-supported agriculture in Wisconsin. And one of the stats that was surprising to me is just how much more we are eating out versus cooking for ourselves and that cooking literacy is continually sort of going down or, or has been down that we don't cook for ourselves as often anymore. If you're working with somebody and you think, oh my gosh, this person really needs to get more vegetables or more mm -hmm. protein, do you take into account whether they like to cook, can cook? Absolutely. Are there techniques that you use for that? Many people don't like to cook, and they will never cook. The, the fortunate thing is that now we're, we live in a time where you can get prepped veggies at a grocery store. You can get things from a hot bar in a grocery store, from a deli counter. There are a lot of restaurants that have sides of veggies that you can get. So it's not as critical as it was 15 or 20 years ago to try to teach somebody to cook, which I also do 
cooking classes and I've written two cookbooks, but not everyone is on board with that and, and likes that. But certainly you can eat the best you can and eat healthy. You just have to be uh, mindful and choosy and know ahead of time where you can go and what you need your plate to look like at the end of the day. You know, what's that plate? Uh, that's what I'll do for patients. I'll say, okay, so you want like 40% of your plate to look, have vegetables on it. It could be whatever you choose there. You know, we want about 20% protein so they can visually picture a plate and know what they need uh, to get on the plate that day. So that makes it easier than when you get food out, put it on your plate, um, to, to know whether or not you're you're meeting your needs, whatever they are. I think it's great if people cook, but that that's a that's something you can't change. Usually their 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 health is more of a priority to try to get them feeling better. For some people, when they start to feel better, they're more interested in cooking, but not always. When I think about the reset, like the New Year's kind of reset, I'm going to have better health habits in 2019, like that kind of thing. We love that opening up the new notebook, the Gosh, fresh we page. love it. <laughs> it's great. But I think about like, I've had friends who've tried January, where you go no alcohol for the month of January. Um, Whole30, I feel like every friend that I have has done Whole30 like in the past couple of years. Um, I wrote last year about juice cleansing and about the, like how it can sort of mentally kickstart you. To me, it just sounds like I would be cold and irritable. Um. Yeah, this climate is not really conducive. <laughs> it's not for, good for juice cleansing. You, maybe in the end of July and August, you know, you could do something as a little clean out. But yeah, really, we're not, I don't think we're meant to, to juice. However, there are soup cleanses that you can do, you know, in the winter. So you can puree a lot of veggies into soups and you can, you can do that. But to do something like that as a cleanse is one thing, but to you know, I, I, I try to tell people to get away from all of the fluff and fads and all of that that's out there because usually it's because you see this as an end date. Like, I am going to do this for the th Whole30. The Whole30 is a great diet, and I think that it eliminates a lot of uh, potential allergens for people, and you can really get an idea if you react to grains or dairy or sugar or coffee or, you know, you can get an idea of that. But most people are kind of white-knuckling it through the 30 days so they can get back to their old habits again. And I think that's what really needs to change. You have to, you have to really do a lot of self-assessment and get to know your body and kind of tune in. You know, how do I sleep? How is my digestion? How's my energy through the day? When does it fall during the day? How's my appetite? What do I crave? When do I crave it? How's my stress level? How do I deal with my stress? Do I have aches and pains? You know, I think all of those things you need to kind of tune into. And then from there, there's your launching pad into your diet as far as what you want to bring in to help reduce inflammation, to help improve your digestion, um, to help improve your mood. This idea of, you know, the New Year's is all about just weight loss and exercise. You're not really connected to yourself and what your needs are. You know, there's a lot of health information out there, but what I want to provide people is what's a blueprint that's specific for you right now for what you're dealing with health-wise and what your particular goals are. And so if, if you are not using a nutritionist, then ask yourself those questions. You know, you want to get used to the idea that this is more of a, a lifestyle change so you can feel better. And also, we don't like to think about it, but we set the groundwork right now for what 10 years from now is going to look like. 
So, you know, this is a good time for you to kind of take things and do things that reduce your risk factors for certain diseases, fill in where there's gaps and deficiencies, get rid of toxicity, reduce inflammation. And a lot of that can be done with food. There's a lot of magic and power in food. I feel like I have been tracking my food and calories and things off and on for like 20 years. (laughs) And one thing that I think is interesting is when you do start to keep a food diary, you'll notice patterns. And, you know, I'll start to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm eating so much more sugar than I think I'm eating. Or um, I'm snacking on carbs. And I wondered, like, do you recommend tracking? And like for most folks, like if to, to get a sense of what they're eating and, and how and when. Um, if so, if not, like is that something that you find useful? I do for sure. The first time I meet with them, they need to do a seven-day food log um, okay. so I can see what they're eating and drinking. And I do think that is an assessment tool for you to do exactly what you say. You look at it and you you pan out over the long term and you think, you know, I'm not getting enough of this. I eat too much of this. I snack too much in lieu of meals. I think that's a great tool for that. Otherwise, I've I've never been a fan of people. I don't have them count calories, carbs, count anything like that at all. You want to get in a place where your eating is a little bit more intuitive. And usually it requires a little more structure initially, but then you'll kind of get an idea of what your body is looking for and what it needs. Now, some people, they like to keep tracking because it holds them accountable, but other people, it's torture for them. So after I get an idea of what they eat and and, uh, what they crave and what time of the days are weaknesses for them, then we work a diet around that. You know, people who generally like to eat later at night are usually not eating enough during the day or they're eating the wrong kind of foods earlier in the day and it just makes them crave a lot more at nighttime. So there's all different strategies that you can use to help people but that uh, initial diet log can be a good uh, assessment for you to kind of figure out how to plan things. In recent years, we've seen kind of diet trends come and go. You know, the Atkins diet was big maybe 15, 20 years ago. And then, you know, more recently, we see a lot about like gluten-free diets, paleo, keto, these kinds of things. Are there trends or like things that people are coming to you saying, I've been trying XYZ? Like what when you pull out a little bit and you look? Yeah, everyone wants to know your thoughts on the latest diet or tell you about the success yes, they've had yeah, with yeah. particular diets. And uh, and I think that gets into, again, like, we're not all the same. We're all individual. What are your unique needs for your system right now? What blueprint works for you? You know, the, the keto diet is a, a very similar offshoot to the Atkins. Protein aside, you know, Atkins had a little bit more protein and, and keto focuses a little bit more fat on fat, but those are, are pretty similar. The keto diet can work well in certain circumstances. It's been proven to work well in instances of seizures to help control seizures with people. And it shows promising results for uh, people who have cancer that maybe you can starve cancer cells by not feeding it sugar and giving them fats. And if nothing else, then you do a keto diet prior to chemo. That's that's one of the big research things that's going on now. So there's uses for it. I'm not sure it's a good diet for the general population. I'm not, not everyone has the capacity to metabolize fats like that, sluggish gallbladder function and not enough bile and enzymes you need to break down fats. And you run the risk if you 
eat that way, you you will get deficiencies in a lot of minerals and things and vitamins that you get from fruits and vegetables. Do you recommend that people take vitamins usually, like supplements and things like that, like a multivitamin? Most people need them. Not everyone is digestively ready to accept a lot of oh. supplements. So sometimes you really need to just work on food for a while and then pick a supplement that's really easy to digest and absorb. But I, I would say the majority of us need some sort of support. If not a multi, then some B vitamins for stress, vitamin D in the winter, perhaps some minerals. So there's various things. But again, I try to tailor it to what the person needs at the moment rather than just a blanket statement, everyone needs to be on blah, blah, you know. I've heard you mention stress a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Do you consider addressing stress when you're working with someone's nutritional health, overall health to be it's one of the first things I a work pretty with. major thing? Yeah, absolutely. Because it will shift how you digest and absorb nutrients. It shifts the way the body burns through nutrients. Um, it can promote fat storage. It ages your body much quicker. And, and if your blood sugar is imbalanced and or you consume too much um, sugar, refined carbohydrates, um, alcohol, caffeine, you know, all of those things certainly will contribute to your body making more stress hormones. Looking at January, as we sort of move into 2019, we start this new leaf. Are there techniques that you would recommend, like taking a minute every day and doing some deep breathing, or like little things that you could recommend for folks to get started um, on maybe tr starting to turn over a new leaf, whether they want to meet with a nutritionist or not? Are there a couple of things that maybe people could do? There's a lot of things that people could do that could improve their health. If they were willing to give up sugar and snack foods, I think that you would see a big change in your health. If you can, in the winter, get to bed by 10 p.m. and stop your eating, by 6 p.m., I think that that can go a long way in helping you drop some weight and giving your body a chance to really repair itself overnight because if you eat too close to bedtime, the body is just working on processing and digesting your food all night long. So it never taps into that place where it really repairs the body. That's what the body's meant to do at night. It's meant to repair itself. But if there's a lot of food present in the stomach, then it never really, never really gets there. To allow that time for recovery. Yeah, repair, reboot. That's what the body does at night. Does all of its housekeeping and cleaning then. I am hearing more and more friends trying like meditation apps and like guided meditations and They're things. They're great. There's some wonderful apps out there. Anything that you can do to break the stress cycle, even if it's just for a few minutes a day, anything to put yourself into the different, it's, it's the sympathetic, which is the gas pedal to the floor where you're stressed out, and the parasympathetic nervous system is like the brake pedal. Anything you can do to put yourself in a parasympathetic state regularly, in the parasympathetic state, the blood leaves the muscles, it goes into the digestive tract, it's called the rest and digest phase of life. So if you can do that before you eat, you will break down your food better, you'll absorb it better. It seems like we're in the season of of soup and recovery and like just getting back to some kind of hibernation. Yeah. That's that's this time of the year a lot of animals do it. So this is the rest, reflect, plan for spring. Um 
we don't have the need to eat a lot of food the way that certain animals do to hibernate, but we can put on a little bit more body fat at this time. Just because even in nature, if we look at the cycles of of food at this time of the year, there's more root vegetables, you know, available. We eat more root vegetables, so those can put a little bit of weight on us. They're less available in the summer, so there's a lot more of the uh, green leafy plants there, uh, which, you know, we eat less in the summertime. We can lose a little bit more weight. If if that's the goal, you know, uh, I try not to make weight loss the goal. People come to me for weight loss, but that usually I want the under the underlying reason why they can't lose weight. Anything above t- 10 or 15 pounds that you need to lose is really just vanity weight, and you can do that on your own by cleaning things up. Above that, then you know you need to look at emotional reasons um, that you're that you're not able to either stick to a diet or, or or plan a diet or whatever the issue is. If there are physical reasons around your thyroid or your stress hormones are uh, a problem, that's what I want to get to. I want to get to the underlying reason why people need to to lose weight. Is it just a matter of looking at their habits or is there something else that's going on in their whole life and lifestyle that isn't serving them? Sounds like therapy. Yeah, you know. <laughs> in a good way. I well, think. food food has a lot of emotions attached to it oh, for so people many. Yeah. for one way or another. So there's a different form of therapy with that because sometimes you take people away from their foods and I've had people look at me from across the table and you would have thought I said to them, hand over your wallet because, or your phone or your children because the way that they'd look at me when I say, yeah, I think you need to cut out cheese. And they look at me like, no, that's not the problem. Mm-mm. So, you know, we get attached to the things that we're usually addicted to, you know, that we love. And many times they're not serving us. One of the common things that said in nutrition, look at what you crave. It'll show you what you're addicted to. I remember thinking to myself, you know, I probably have a problem with this, but if I don't know, I don't have to do anything about it. Yeah. But your body is still responding. Oh, of course. But we love that whole head in the sand thing. Like, take the head out of it and the body may not know, you know, what's going on. Yeah. So we want to integrate other cultures um, and other ancient practices, as I mentioned before, Ayurvedic and Chinese medicine, they have a much better handle on integrating all of us. They don't separate us out into parts. And the the mind and the thinking mind is not what rules the show, you know, it, so you kind of bring it all together. Where can people find you in Madison if they want to work with you? My website is NutraHealthInc.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-H-E-L-T-H, Inc, I-N-C.com, or SherryBelcher.com. And are you accepting new folks in the new year? I am. I'll also be holding some group classes and wellness programs in the spring, so stay tuned for that on my website. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, produced by the Capital Times. Our music was composed by Patrick Christians. We get editing and tech support from CT podcast guy Eric Lawrenson. The Corner Table drops every other week, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, among other places. Follow us at Corner Table Podcast on Facebook, and find more food and drink news every day at captimes.com. 
am your host, Cap Times food editor, Lindsay Christians. My wish for you this week is tomato soup. I just made a 15-minute vegan version from Serious Eats, and it changed my life. Cheers! Bye.